Hey you, 2021 is finally here at last and I'm so happy you are here to celebrate with us. Welcome to Everything Trying to Kill You, the horror comedy podcast that analyzes and rips on all your favorite horror movies. I'm Rachel. I'm Mary Kay. I'm Mary. And is anyone else so happy to be done with the holidays or is it just me? We can start counting the long, long days until spring. You mean and the short, the... short days. I mean, okay. I mean, you're it right. is the you're bleak long, midwinter. These bleak little <laughs> baby bitch days. <laughs> <laughs> and in the meantime, we indulge in all the comfort foods and radical shopping. So while you're in hibernation mode, be sure to pick up a copy of Mary Kay's book. Yeah. America's first Female serial killer. We'll link to it in the show notes every time. Mary Kay, are there Christmas time. ornaments on your garb? These are my Christmas pajamas. They're from Target, and they have hot air balloons that look like Christmas ornaments on them. They're adorable. Thank you. They're from Mary Target. Kay rolls up festive. She is ready. Well... We yeah. are recording this before Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> but this is coming to you I'm after already exhausted, Christmas. though. <laughs> yeah. So after the Christmas holidays is when we actually spend money on things that we That's actually right. want. That's right. Because I already know that your weird Aunt Carol, twice removed, did not buy you Mary Kay's book <laughs> that you actually wanted. And she showed up, like, half drunk already to your family's, like, one like obligatory function and empty-handed so take this opportunity as a reminder to go treat yourself and buy the things that you actually want like everything trying to kill you merch and fine leather goods also tell aunt carol to stop jocking my style showing up to the gathering drunk and empty-handed that's my thing yeah so do yourself a favor she needs to chill do yourself a favor and also (laughs) Speaking of favors, today we're discussing a really great film, kind of dark, kind of hard, but a really great film that is new and is also free. Woo! On Netflix, so kind of free. You so still you're got welcome. Password to log into her Netflix. <laughs> yeah, that's why Carol and I feel justified showing up to shit empty-handed. Y'all been using our fine. HBO for thirty years. That's right. I think that's a fair exchange. <laughs> so, with much anticipation, we are talking the debut film from director Remy Weeks. His house. Yeah. So buckle in because I hope you ain't too su- superstitious. I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little stitious. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. with that, from the great Michael Scott, we are going <laughs> into straight our icebreaker. Give me your superstition. And if you don't have a superstition, then just give me a really interesting one that you know, like another friend has or something hmm. well while y'all think of one because I'm gonna need a second I'm gonna stall and tell you that one time pre-covid I was in the grocery store and Stevie Wonder's Superstitious was playing on the um you mm-hmm. know the radio that goes through the whole store 
mm-hmm. and I was in the chips aisle, and you know, it's Stevie, so I'm over there like shaking a bag of chips like maracas, and then I stop, and this guy behind me is also shaking his bag of chips <laughs> no like the maracas. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> um, okay, my... Well, one superstition that my late grandfather had is that you're not supposed to leave your Christmas decorations up after the new year. So, or it's bad luck all year. Like, I remember coming home from, you know, my grandma and I would do like something like sort of fancy when I was a kid. I was with her every New Year's Eve and seeing the magnets on the fridge like the Christmas magnets on the fridge and my grandfather was like I thought you said you got everything down like (laughs) where why didn't you do that but now it seems a little bit I mean the 12 days of Christmas start on Christmas day thank you that is my mother's that is the hill my mother will die on yes well so it doesn't make sense that you have to have them down by the I mean it should be King's Day, right? Which is January 5th? Yeah. Uh, 6th, yeah. Oh, the 6th, yeah. So, that's one superstition that I grew up around. Okay. Mary? I don't know. My family didn't really have superstitions because Jesus. So, you know, there's no such thing as luck. So. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think if there's anything I do just like superstitiously. Things like I am really weird about. Remember when they make a paper boat in the office and set that wedding ring on fire? Yes. No. They yeah, Kelly finds that um, ring in the pool and his yeah. engagement ring. Oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Like that would kill the ring. Like why would that why would that do right. anything? Why would that accomplish right. anything? I don't know, but I do know that the black cat superstition is one that I find especially amusing. Because it's common knowledge in animal welfare circles that black cats, for, for, I mean, it's totally anecdotal. There's no reason this, for this to be true. But black cats have better personalities. Hmm. They like know they, they got to work harder. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, maybe they just developed it over time. It's like, you know, like, you know, me being funny because I wasn't an especially cute child. Um, right, because we were late bloomers. So you had to develop a personality. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, but like typically they're the more friendly and they're more sociable and kind of more engaged, you know, like they're not the cat that's going to like vanish when you have people over or, uh, or be like hostile for no reason. Like mm-hmm. they're just, they're very, they tend to be really interesting. They tend to have a lot of personality. They tend to be kind of weird and maybe have a, a funny attitude or be like very eccentric, but they're a lot of fun. Obviously, this is not every single black cat, you know, just that it anecdotally, it seems to be true. I mean, I was at that shelter for just six months, must have seen God knows how many black cats come and go. And they really were just cuter and funnier and weirder than the other ones, including the one that's sitting in my lap right now. He is cuter and weirder and funnier, much more social. I mean, I think Mary Kay's met him. Yeah. He likes to be where the action is. (laughs) Okay. What you got, Rachel? So, I was never... No, that's not true at all. Um, (laughs) What were you going to say? (laughs) I was going to say, I'm not very superstitious, but I I am very impressionable. Mm -hmm. There's a difference. 
So there's a, a couple that I don't... Different? I feel like those are very similar. They're very similar, but I'll tell you why. Because, okay. like, step on a crack, you break your mom's back. Every time I'm walking, still to this day as an adult, on a sidewalk, I try to not, but if I do, it doesn't, like... Shatter you. Ruin my, yeah. right. It doesn't shatter me. It doesn't ruin my day, but I think about it every time I do. Mm-hmm. So I tried to step with my right foot just above the crack and my left foot goes over it that's what i try to do but i don't i don't gauge my gait to it right yeah. and splitting the pole same thing i'm not going to go out of my way to avoid splitting a pole with the person but i think about it but mm-hmm. one superstition that came out of nowhere this came out of my own brain imagination is a tick that i to this day I do adhere to for some it's not even a superstition it's just like a fucking weird thing that I do it's called I call it firsties so if I have something to eat like a food comes to me from a restaurant or I open up a fresh can of coke and I want to offer it to somebody I always have to make sure I take the first bite or the first sip otherwise it gives that person bad luck so anytime anybody ever offers me something and it looks like it's fresh and they hadn't touched it, I always ask, did you take firsties? Because if they didn't have a piece of it first, they I'm could not be poisoning it. you. Well, I was going to say, you know what that sounds like? So in, in Chinese culture, right, like when you toast, if you are in like close company, like if the three of us were drinking together and we clinked glasses... It would be weird or rude if we didn't deliberately spill a little drink into each other's cups. The idea being that, like, we love each other so much or we trust each other so much that if one of us is poisoned, we're all going down tonight. Oh. It's not even, like, a poisoning thing. No, I'm just just saying it sounds... It's... it's, Sounds related. It's your food. You should have the first... I feel like the first sip and the first bite is always the best. Hmm. And if you give it to me before you, I feel like I'm getting bad luck. Well, see, the, the way you phrased it, though, since it's both since it, it's both when you have food and when you're receiving food, it sounded to me like that Chinese superstition in that, like, you've taken the first bite. So if you share with me, like, you, you basically went full canary in the mine for me. And yeah. you expect that same thing of me. I know if it's not your thought process going through it, but I couldn't help thinking about that 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 other tradition while you were talking about it. And Rachel, when you said like the superstitions that you pick up, those are like less superstitious and more like sensible, right? Because like you, no one told you to do that. You just kind of did it yourself. Um, Yeah, that makes, that makes a point, but it's to the point to where like, I think it it gets from like being like a habit or like a, a, like a thing of, um, of manners. Mm Mm-hmm. As I think it can evolve into superstition to the way to where you'll be like, no, I won't do it unless. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know so what it can I mean? become like uh, almost like a compulsion, if you will. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking when you asked about superstitions earlier. I was like, I have certain like compulsive behaviors, but mm-hmm. it's not really a superstition so much as it is like, I just feel weird if I don't do it in this order. Or in some cases, uh, for me, you know, if I don't do certain things in a certain order, then it. It really throws me off kilter. Like I have to have it that really much does. ritual. Like, I'll think about it later. Like I have to. Yeah, if I, I have notice to have... I'm doing something out of, out of, uh, out, 
different from the habit that I've already developed, then I'll, and I think about it later, I'm like, oh, that's going to bother me. Like, <laughs> I have to no, go back and fix it or it'll bother me later. I mean, I'll just forget parts of my, like, even fundamental things like put on socks before your shoes. Like, that. that's that's the ADD brain for you. Like, you'll just, if you if you don't stick with your ritual, you're much more likely to. I don't think it's just ADD stuff. brain, though. No, not because... just. It's just that it... A lot of people with ADD or ADHD develop these like hyper ritualistic behaviors about things that other people don't like. Yeah, don't need rituals. It helps you remember. Do. It helps you right. fo- stay focused on that one thing. But um, it's interesting because it seems like in in the film His House, Bull he decides he's like it followed us here. We have to destroy everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like. No one said that. He just decided it was, like, haunting one of the things they had brought. And I think the thing it was haunting, if it was haunting a thing, which it wasn't, is that ba- that sad, blonde baby doll with the bad front. <laughs> and it's front, really interesting that you bring that up because I know we're going to get into it more about the actual, um, like, lore of it all. But it never said that it was targeting artifacts. He right. made that up himself. We were targeted. This was targeted. We have to destroy it. It yeah. seemed like that was something that he kind of made up in his mind as like a yeah. way to. Yeah, he snatched that scarf off of her head. I was like, no, you cannot. <laughs> that is not nice. <laughs> so we're going to get into it. So we're talking his house. And as the title suggests, um, this couple, they go into a new home. And the first thing I really want to suggest, because it's in the title itself, is home proper, like capital H home versus home, like your home. Is there a difference and what is the difference? I mean, as a really territorial person, I, I feel that day-to-day home is just as important as like the home that you're from but Mm -hmm. maybe not a part of anymore right and I think that and I'm going to come back to this a couple of times that there's there's two different kinds there's the the home where you are and like what you're making and then there's the ideological yeah I would agree with that yeah like there's the idea of home and then there's home right now yeah like one of them is fixed like where you grew up and one of them changes with you i think well a note on that as someone who didn't grow up in a place or in proximity to my extended family i mean obviously i grew up in physical locations they just changed all the time when you say capital h home i was like that's something i just that's something i make for myself all the time like, that's not a, for me, that I don't, that's not, there's not, like, image that is, like, that's home. Capital H home for me is, that's on me to make. Like, if, if I don't feel home, then I need to, like, take stock of my life and see what, start taking steps to make that home for myself. Well, same. So, you know, my father was a Marine, so, mm-hmm. I mean, same. Like, Windex to me is capital H home like <laughs> like the smell of Windex no matter where we went Windex was home mm-hmm. 
So I understand. I so get I that think idea, I, but I feel like that is a fairly contemporary concept mm-hmm. because, especially regarding this movie, because mm-hmm. it seems like both Rial and Ball have deep roots in mm-hmm. Sudan. Mm-hmm. So and I then think maybe it so, would help if I said it's home, like a place where you feel safe versus the home you're trying to make. Okay. Does that mm-hmm. help? Yeah, um, I feel like that first one at some point in everyone's life just kind of dissipates and you yeah. have to remake it. Yeah. Or yeah. any number of times. Because there's obviously where they are from and where they are now and they both have a different idea of what they're trying to make it. Yeah. To go back to the title. So we're going to explore the idea, obviously, because there is this couple from southern Sudan during this terrible civil war seeking refuge in the UK. So the title, even the title, His House, gives them this otherness. We see this Mm -hmm. huge theme of otherness, and I feel like even the title, His House, gives weight to that otherness, that Mm -hmm. it's not even their house, Bull's house, Rial's house, but like they don't even have complete agency that it's like his house. Yeah, and speaking of the place where that he calls his house, right? Okay, so this is just something that I need to air real quick. It was totally unnecessary for all those imperialist bastards to be rude to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Totally unnecessary. The only one who I felt was, like, on their team tough love, which also is kind of shitty, was Mark. Mm-hmm. He's the only one who is, like, y- you don't... You don't look well, and I'm going to have to report that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want to do this, but, you know, you tore a whole bunch of holes in the wall. If you don't fix it, I have to report it. And he's like, no, I'm going to fix it. I mean, he he's kind of torn between, like, you know, his bleeding heart and the the job he has to hold down. And I Not just, to mention that at what point does his bleeding heart say, like, I actually have to report this because I don't think... I don't think this family is safe. Like if this is if this is the state he's in. True. Even if he knows True. that the report is not necessarily going to help the way he would want it to, mm-hmm. yeah. he can't he also can't leave them just completely untethered, you know, right. in yeah. that moment. I just okay, another thing I don't understand and this this film really opened my mind to this concept is they have they're like on bail to get asylum in the UK. I don't understand that process. Yeah, they're treated like criminals. Yeah, they're I mean it looks like they are in a jail. Like they're on mm-hmm. probation, like essentially. I mean, that part kind of makes sense, the probationary period, but not for not like in a criminal way. Well, the detention facility that they're in initially is exactly the the thing that Americans have been protesting here. Like, that's what that, that mm-hmm. shit down on the border is. Those, these fucking camps with the kids in the cages. Like, that's the detention they're in when they first arrive. And they're being evaluated for for eligibility to even apply for asylum. Mm-hmm. 
And they can Ooh, be that turned just down. Seems... And okay, so when they get it, also um, they're they're not. And he's like excited and happy, and the guy just takes the wind out of his sails. Like you're not a citizen, okay? But okay, okay. Yeah. Like that's not. I know that. Like I understand what you're saying. We're good people, and he's like, it doesn't matter if you're good people. He's like, yes, that's what you're telling me. Yeah. I'm telling you, I understand. You don't have to be a douche about it. I just yeah. But would, at the same time... Also, 70, 70 pounds a week? That... That's a hundred... Like, that's like a hundred... Yeah. That's like less than a hundred dollars a week? Yeah, and don't get a job. Don't... If you get... If you supplemented that all, you're done. How... How's that? That doesn't make any sense to me because... That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me. But to go back to what you're saying okay, about... The, I'm sorry. I just had the to guy air that grievance. No, it makes sense. But the guy being a douche, to be fair, he's not the system. He's making it clear to them, you're not a citizen. Don't get excited. You have to, I need you to tell me that you, it's yeah. like. The, the, I need you like to say I understood. I, I need you to say that. that you understand these rules because then there's no coming back. You're gone. You're out. But like, you I say can, you understand. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I would. I could see someone being like really excited to seek refuge and be like, "I'm here now. I can." And he's like, well, "Listen, it's not me. It's the system. It sucks. You need to I understand." Mean, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I really just feel like he's hiding his bad manners behind bureaucracy. No, no, you're not wrong. So. I, I get many both things, sides of it. Many things can be true. He I can know. sincerely believe that he has a responsibility to make sure someone understands that, like, no, no, don't get so happy that the guard comes down. Don't get so happy that you missed important information. Like, I need you to keep both feet on the ground while I'm talking. He can sincerely mean that and also be a person who is a douchebag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's more of, like, a giving the 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 audience the information of the situation like that, this that is, actually makes a lot of sense Rachel this is that's the dire situation the exposition out. <laughs> but then back to like again the title of like his house and these microaggressions all of the constant times they said okay but this is like bigger than my house that's even. exactly what so, they sounded like, like. What's that's that's what that's what Matt Smith sounds like when he talks Nice job. It's like, well, have you seen the place? I'm sure your house doesn't look like that. Crawling. Oh my gosh, y'all! When when they walked in that house, I was like, this looks like the house that my mom had to evict people out of because they trashed it so hard, like furniture on the front lawn. Like y'all, this was before COVID, and we were wearing masks and gloves to go in there. It was so <laughs> gross. It was. It was so gross. Like, it was a good house. Like, that one, right? Like, you could tell it was a good house. Like, it had good bones. But everything that was pasted on top of the bones was actual human shit. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's big, but it's also so nasty. And haven't, you didn't, you couldn't have, like, put thrown the pizza box away? Really? That You couldn't have got somebody in there to do that for them? They haven't been through oh, enough. Oh, but that house is so bigger. Also, I don't I just, want my house to be bigger. I want to do as little vacuuming as humanly possible. 
I want my house to be exactly as large as it has to be for all of the things to fit inside of it comfortably. I That's don't want to live next to that cunt of a neighbor. Yeah. She was the worst. She was the so awful. The, the she was like, well, you're going to be gone anyway. Terrible. Um, so anyway, back to the idea of... <laughs> wait, wait. I have, oh, real quick, though. I have a thought. You, you made me think of this when you were talking about the bones and the human shit. Um, everyone remembers Emily <laughs> Lewis, Emily Brooks Lewis, oh, friend God. of the podcast who's been a guest yes. several times. She's uh, So she is very, very pregnant. For all we know, the baby is coming into existence as we speak. The other day, I texted her and was like, I'm thinking all the time about you and your little calzone. I can't wait to meet the meat pocket. She was like, okay, chill out. It's still cooking. And I was like, did you ever think about the fact that we're all meat pockets? And she was like, you nasty. No. And then I'm going to tell you exactly what I said to her because I deliberately made it sound as gross as possible. I said, we're basically roti, which is like a Trinidadian food, you know, meat still on the bone, swimming in oily sauce wrapped in a flaky, dusty little wrapper. Yeah. Disgusting, right? I mean, roti is delicious. My skin is not flaky because I upgraded to that good shit for the bleak midwinter. Well, I'm just saying, you know, like I deliberately, roti is my favorite food, but I deliberately made it sound super gross. Mm-hmm. And then she responded, that sounds delicious. Because she's hugely <laughs> pregnant. You, she <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I lost my shit. <laughs> so yeah, guys, we're all meat pockets. We're all bones with human wow. shit. And then a little plaster on top. And frozen in the middle. Hot pockets. What was that, what was that comedian's name? Jim Gaffigan, right? Yeah. Oh, God, I love him. Okay. So um, to get back to his house, because I don't want to deviate too far from otherness before we move on. But so Remy Weeks, um, he said with this film that he read um, uh, Nikesh Shukla's book called Good Immigrant. And basically the idea is that immigrants are assumed to be bad until they prove their worth. And so we get that when they keep saying, well, remember, we're, we're the good ones. We're the good yeah. ones. That and was heartbreaking to me, that phrase. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think it plays a really... I mean, the whole movie, but that <laughs> phrase in particular right. made me upset. Oh, there we have. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this later, but I think a lot of this is kind of, it, it's, it's, it kind of, I don't want to say book frames it, but we get so focused on the supernatural and like mm-hmm. the immediate danger that a lot of this kind of falls to the wayside that I think is done in a really sort of delicate way. Yeah. But it really does balance this issue of I can't disturb this fragile uh how do you say uh what's the word i can't disturb like this fragile like persona or this 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 story i'm trying to tell while also dealing with this god awful disturbing Oh yeah! I feel like my life is in danger. Like like we try right, to I switch houses, and I can't tell you why because I can't deal be with the, the culture shock and a supernatural presence. Pick a thing. Yeah. That's enough. 
Um, I was for but, real though when they when they moved into a haunted house. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Have they not been through enough? Like, and now you're mm-hmm. gonna send them into a haunted house?" But well, you know, the thing it is, turns is out that to be a little more complex than that. Well, right, exactly, <laughs> a and lot more complex than that. I should say. We see even before we get to the supernatural part, we we see a lot of these elements of. They're so ostracized. Even when he was walking down and he's met with goodwill, he's literally whistled at and he's like, you one of them immigrants right. or one of them refugees. Right. The way he like whistled at him like a fucking dog, even though he was trying to give him charity. And then that's met in juxtaposition when um, Rial is actually lost and afraid Ugh. and she sees these kids who look similar to her some kind of skin color and they meet her with terrible ridicule i those kids suck and the happiest part of this movie is when bull goes to the bar and starts singing the soccer chant with them mm-hmm. i felt like mm-hmm. i was like oh it it my heart swelled up for him i was like yes make you some friends this is the point of sports so that mm-hmm. men who don't know each other can start talking. Mm-hmm. And about something that doesn't matter that much. Sorry. I know that people love sports. I just mean like... No, and I think that ground. was... I think that's also... Well, I mean, in the same way, I mean, that's, that's sports, that's music, right? Like mm-hmm. a concert or... Kind of. Going dancing or something that you, you find something you have in common that while being while both feeling very personal it, okay that manages to both feel very personal while not while the stakes are not actually yeah that high exactly. for you That's for really you well as put. a human yeah. being yes yes if you disagree yes. about music walk away from each other who cares um right exactly and then you look at like look at that you know in juxtaposition with Rial's experience she's just going to the doctor to get like checked out yeah. and this woman's like probing her well i mean not even like probing she's just like making light conversation oh that's really pretty and it's literally like i was i was texting mary Kay as i was watching this a second time and i'm like oh yeah that's definitely white people probing and mary Kay's like what are you talking about and i'm like oh we we do that like white us white people do that as a way like when we see somebody who is somebody who is not like us and they have something like a piece of them like like a, a certain kind of plated hair or we'll be like oh I like that that's pretty as a way of being like what is that mm-hmm. like explain it to me because it's different and whether or not it's pretty or not I just I want to know more information mm-hmm. I, I so, didn't pick up on that um, until you brought it up and then I was like when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, that's exactly yeah. what it so, is. That's so slick li- shit. I didn't so know listeners, about that. So listeners, when the nurse was saying to Rial, looking at her scars, she was like, oh, those are pretty. She's not just, she's not giving her a compliment. That's what us white people do when we're like, what is that? Tell me more, mm-hmm. please, because well, I don't here's know. here's the thing. You know, it's it's coded language that the person you're talking to understands as well. 
you know, um, it's not that Real doesn't Except understand. Except for me, apparently. Well, well, I mean that in the context, <laughs> like if you're... I take every compliment. Thanks, girl. Bye. Well, you know, the thing is, you know, we talk a lot, we've talked a lot in the past year or so as the conversation around, um, around race and systemic racism and, um, and microaggression, all of these things has, has evolved so, so dramatically in scale, um, that, uh, Something that I've heard brought up often is that, you know, the effects of living in a systemically racist world are cumulative, you know? Not every single microaggression is going to set my teeth on edge. If it did, I couldn't fucking function. But one that bothered me yesterday may not bother me as much today and vice versa. Um, Rial might have heard the compliment, understood that it's really a question, and thought, well, you know, because that's the thing. It's coded as, I want to know about that, but I want to know politely. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. I want to know about that, but I don't, I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable about it. I'm just going to, I'm going to make you uncomfortable anyway, but I'm trying to make myself feel better about it. Um, yeah. And That's a good way of putting it. Because I, I didn't think that she, her intentions were malicious. I think she was just curious. Well, no, right? especially when you're pointing to ritual scarification, you know, right. to say that's pretty as opposed to like, that looks like it hurt. Like, Jesus. Wrong, wrong tack. Right. Um, it so, is very pretty. Like, right. I had the same reaction, and I was like, oh, maybe I'm shitty. <laughs> well, you know, it's coded as, like, I want to understand that I'm trying to find a way to put you on the spot that isn't abject, like, like overtly hateful. Overtly hateful, right. Politically. Yeah, you can just say, thank you, and ignore me. And then move um, on, yeah. But had she not interacted with those kids earlier, had she asked someone else for directions who was much more polite, she might have responded to the doctor differently. She was she was already done. She was done when she walked into that office. And that conversation among the two of them or between the two of them, excuse me, about her her um, her body modifications might have been a very different one had she walked in upbeat, because there are plenty of times that someone brings up something or asks me something, you know, does that kind of, that same kind of thing where it sounds like they are politely advancing a conversation, but they're also advancing it into a, an area that's super, super personal. They just don't realize it is because right talking about whiteness isn't personal. Um, and it's uh, like her, like her, like experience with people here so far has been, mm-hmm. you're this body that's not like us and we need to put you in a place where we can compartmentalize you in a way that we understand. Mm-hmm. And sh- that's been her experience from day one. Right. And like I said, just specifically in that day, even, that yeah. her immediate experience beforehand was such a negative one. So then she walks in the door and, and eventually she talks about it, but she does not do it in a way that makes any effort to make the doctor comfortable like you asked now you're getting the explanation mm-hmm. yeah she got what the fuck she wanted mm-hmm. and that might have gone a little differently had Rihal been in a had just had a less shitty day god like I, those kids were fucking yeah. monsters right and so while we're um talking about you know, Bull and Rial's experience. Let's also talk about um, survivor's guilt. Like, before we get to, like, the, you know, the obvious, like, what, what is survivor's guilt? 
most, most if, if you don't know survivor's guilt is when you have this inherent guilt when you get out of a you know a terrible situation or war-torn country such as um realm bowl um i am here i'm somewhere safe now and i constantly feel this this sense of guilt that i'm out of it while my brothers right, and like sisters you don't deserve it more mm-hmm. than anyone right else, even though you got it exactly and it seems before we're even presented presented with um the the twist that happens later we see the difference um in ball and real's reaction and this sense of home so again to go back to big h home versus little home i felt that like Bull is erasing the sense of real ideology of, or like his, he's erasing home by creating this fake sense of home. Like I'm going mm-hmm. to erase what happened and create this new, perfect, peachy world. Yeah, Go he, he to- calls it being, re- we'll be reborn here, we'll be new here. Yes. Yes, and I felt like Rial was doing the opposite. She was like, well, we're going to return home in order to be home. Like, for her, we have to keep with our sense of the real home in order for the ideological home. Yeah, and she is also, man, just... When she... When we realize they are both having the same or very similar hallucinations or experiences so it's not in either one of them's head right Mm -hmm. which was very satisfying for me she was like you think a bump in the night is gonna scare me after all the things that i've seen Mm -hmm. after we've seen what man is capable of you think i can be afraid of ghosts yeah and you see you come in or he comes into the room and she's talking to someone who isn't there. And, and uh, I think in Dinka, she says, well, did you talk to him about it? Have you tried talking to him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, I mean. And even the way see that. a ghost like, ask it what it wants, I guess. Damn. <laughs> like. <laughs> she is. And they were having this huge. Incredible. Like, um, uh, like fight over the food. Even just the way the food was presented. With right. silverware or not. Yeah. And the difference is there. She, you know, he wants it with the silverware. She doesn't. And then she even starts talking to him in Dinka. And he's insisting that she talk to him in English only. Yeah. And you see the, like, how they're going in the opposite direction of the other. Yeah, well, and it's a, it's a, their sense of. It's a, it's like, it is the, the immigrant's dilemma, right? Which is cling too tightly to home. And you. Right. If you're clinging too tightly to home, do you ever build the new one? Like, can you? Right. Can you create a new a new life, a new home, new meaning for yourself here? If you're perpetually looking backward and, and like grasping mm-hmm. backward, but at the same time, if you release home and your past completely and just and think only about assimilation, then what will what will the home you're this new home you're tr- trying to build even mean what will it matter 
Right. If it has no history, I, if it exists only from tomorrow forward. And I feel like that's where we get a lot of the disconnect because they're both operating in they're just on opposite directions. Polar extremes on that, yeah. And I, th- I think, and so listeners who are tuning in for the first time or second time or, you know, fairly new, or even just as a reminder, if y'all are coming back, I'm Lebanese, but I definitely look more Lebanese than I am am and i'm using scare quotes with that because and this is like this is what this dilemma turns into is culture nationalism which is oh you're not arab enough to count as mm-hmm. as arab um and i think that it is more complicated though for black people and i'm not black again so i could be talking totally out of my ass on this but um the one of the biggest tragedies that humankind has ever inflicted upon other humans stripped a lot of people of their sense of home. And so I think that there's that disconnect between, I mean, and we're American, so black Americans and quote, and this is a quote that I learned, or excuse me, a term that I learned from Tressie McMillan Cottom's book, Thick, which is the best title I've ever heard. So black Americans are ethnic black, which is black from from not America, like from the capital H home or little H home or however we're distinguishing between them. And we see that, and it's almost anger from the boys towards Rial for having something that they don't and for lording mm. over, like, they're like lording over her that they are fr- more from there than she is, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm not explaining this concept very well, but definitely that book, Thick, is great. Um, it's so smart. Essentially, like, the world is broken and broken into distinctions, and if they, they it doesn't really, the lines in the sand don't mean what we want them to mean across the board. Like, there's a way more nuance than that. Mm-hmm. And it just, well, something, it's upsetting because it, it is working actively against this refu- the refugee couple. Mm-hmm. Well, something it's not that, fair. Something that, like, my siblings and I, it took us a long time to figure out why, kind of what made our, our black experience so different. Not simply that we didn't, look as black as we thought we should growing up based on the only other mixed children you know we saw in media which were in the pennies catalog every year um really well yeah and they were they were like all gold like they had golden Mm -hmm. skin and golden freckles and golden eyes and golden froze we didn't look let's hit jc penny thank you for that representation (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh yeah thanks jc penny i thought something was horribly wrong with me for a very long time um so but that event, it took us a long time to realize that because our mother wasn't American, you know, being Trinidadian, her her relationship to race in general, let alone to her own blackness, was a, a very different one than black Americans would typically have, you know, at that, at that age, at that point in their lives. Um, mm. She didn't identify with a lot of black American culture for a very long time because it just, that's not how she was brought up that's not it wasn't familiar to her so yeah that, that was a big revelation and really helped each of the three of us kind of put into perspective like oh that that's a disconnect that like our household had from even other mixed households that we knew um 
But I feel like, I mean, and this is not to discredit your experience at all because I understand that that's exactly what happened. I I just feel like most households are like that. It's just not as visible. Mm-hmm. So so the the other people don't like recognize it as quickly if that makes sense. Or I mean no. I, I mean I think so I think so to some degree. I just mean that there were there were so many things that there were so many even as we got older and came to understand more and more where other people perceived gaps in us, things that we didn't recognize or that with which we didn't identify that seemed to be so taken for granted and realized like they just didn't because they just didn't exist in our household. That was that we actually, it's not just that we didn't have certain things, it's that they are replaced by an entirely separate culture. So a lot of the time, especially now that I'm older, the people I interact with are generally older. If something comes up like that, where they're like, wait, your your family doesn't, or your mother didn't, and I'm like, well, no, she's Trinidadi. And they're like, oh, oh, well, duh, right. Like, she, we, she may call it, we may use the word black, she may use the word black, but they don't, they don't mean the same things, they don't have any right. of the same stuff associated not any <laughs> many of the same things associated across cultures because they are totally distinct things and that was some, that was definitely something i thought about a lot like watching this movie was that they're kind of fighting they're fighting multiple battles here one being that there is all the assumptive nature of living in an anti-black racist society when you are a dark-skinned person also they are immigrants so those two yeah. things could each be their own distinct, horrifying problems. <laughs> Instead, Plus the supernatural part. <laughs> yeah, and then on top of that, these bitches are like in your walls. They're like, <laughs> you're like, I, he's going to literally you're just like, I don't, I don't, hammer out. You're like telling your husband, like, bitch, we are in my own house. I don't want to speak English. And the ghosts are like, yeah, bitch, don't speak English. And you're like, listen. I don't think he can hear you right now. And he's like, no, I can hear them. And you're like, oh, God, my life is falling apart. Like, it's just every possible turn. It just gets worse for you. I thought it was interesting how they were dealing with the same thing so differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he is dealing with it in a very violent manner um, at him and I him in reaction. fix and- my ghost problem with this hammer. <laughs> right and while she's just like consulting with them like he's being attacked by like the ghosts of like Niak and she has like this like cubone kind of mask coming at him and he's like hammering at the walls and she's just having a, like a nice like conversation at the dinner she's table like and whispers sitting, like yeah with, with dad she's was, up on his shoulders about to throttle him like ha ha did she try talking to him cut his throat come in she's like yeah and then with mom they're like having a cup of tea chilling chilling yeah so um back to survivor's guilt and then that adds on a whole different load when we get to the twist when we learn that nya like when we learn that um nya was actually stolen by bulls so that's the that's the double twist right she is stolen like they her her mother chases the van as they are escaping the town 
screaming for her. Niagak is screaming for her mother. But Bol steals her so she won't die. Like, he is looking... Yeah, I don't blame him at all. I really don't. Like, I would blame myself if I was him. Yeah, he's looking at the town. But I don't blame him outside of him. Yeah, he's watching his town burn down, essentially. And he, he thinks he can save her. So then you get the double twist of he only stole her to save her. And for all no. he knows, she might have lived had she not come with them. Like, he could well, never he's, know. He stole her as a golden ticket, not to save her. But he does save her. Yeah, I was going to say, he, he, he did. He, he, he does save her. I mean, he saves himself also, and that might have been his primary goal. But he sees this child alone, and he's like, she's a kid, I'll bring her, let's go. No, he... he She wasn't alone. Yes, she was. When he found her, she was. Yes, she was. Her mother wasn't there. Her mother would have taken her on the bus. She just gets there as the the bus is leaving. By the time her mother arrives, yeah, the bus is pulling away. I thought the point of the movie was that he took her, and that's why Rial was staring at him like, you just stole this child as like a golden ticket to get onto the bus. I thought Rial was just kind of like processing everything. Like, surprise, we have a child now. Yeah. <laughs> well, because that's the thing. I, For all he knows. I thought that, like, the mom was in the crowd, and that's why she didn't realize, because there was a the whole crowd was trying to get onto the entrance of the bus. The mom didn't realize the daughter was taken out. Even like, if that were all true. For all Bull knows, the reason everyone's trying to get on that bus right now is that everyone in that crowd sincerely believes that if they do not get on that bus, they will die. Well, yeah, we and so see him chase the bus and get shot down. So for all Bull, I know, but she when was I'm twenty seconds too late, like yeah, for all so Bull and Rial are trying to get on the bus, and they're saying no because only children. And so he sees this child, and he says, "This is my ticket." He takes the child as a ticket, saying, "This is a child." So pretending to be their parents, mm-hmm. so that they can gain entrance. He uses the child as literally a right. ticket. And except yeah. that, and so, if, except that if he hadn't, she would have died. Right, she, and but she he does, does take care of her. Well, that's that's the double twist, right? Is that once right. they take her away, that's their daughter now. They both mm-hmm. are treating her like we see him carrying her. We see them caring for her, except that he stole her. And in doing so, he saved, hypothetically, both himself and her. But And then when the chips come all the way down and he cannot save, he physically can't save both of them, he saves Rial, so she dies anyway. And that's how I interpreted it, is that not that she dies because of him, but that she dies anyway. That's what I thought, too. Because I don't now, see how she survived the village. I don't no. see how she would have survived the village had she not. I, I will him. say... I agree with everything you just said, Mary. Watching it. Mm-hmm. If it was me, I would be I would feel just as guilty as they did. Mm-hmm. So that's how survivor's guilt works, I think. Like no one else thinks badly of you. Not really. I mean, I, I don't think badly of him or of them. I think it's an impossible situation and I think yeah. any choice you make there is gonna be impossible. Mm-hmm. And I think that like I said, even if he had been fully sinister in his motives and picking her up. Like, screw it, it's a child. I don't care what happens to it. Like uh, the the guy on Titanic. He just picks yeah, up that crying exactly. girl to get on the lifeboat. <laughs> because I felt like the movie's like intention was trying to show 
bull as like a not bad necessarily but when things get tough like when you it's like do or die what will you do to survive Mm -hmm. and regardless of intentions there could be a mixture of well I could probably save this girl too while also saving my own hide and that's that's where it kind of comes into play is like that narrative so much as like the way that I how I thought it was was like oh bull did this terrible thing taking the the child away from the mom without giving the mom agency to try and find her some safety um because it leads to her death um I mean but at the end of the but at the end of the day it's when you're in this situation what are you going to do to well that that's the scary part is that you don't know until it's already happening I mean Rachel right now 10 seconds a tragedy is happening you can save me or Mary Kay what are you going to do Right, exactly. You're not going to know until it's happening. What's the answer, Rachel? It better be me. I have so much to offer the world. Okay, that's all we got for tonight, folks. (laughs) But no, so, and I think that's actually a really good point because Mark actually says in the office, like, this is a time when we learn what kind of man are you? Mm -hmm. And I think that really resonates with the film, with Bull's actions like mm-hmm. what kind of man are you like and I, what when it comes down to it what are you going to do and the evidence shows me that while he and uh and real may disagree about what it looks like to be a good man he has a code and he lives by it that, that he mm-hmm. that he is trying to be a good man that he could he could have tried to muscle his way onto the bus. He could have insisted that we all couldn't get on if he couldn't get on. There are a number of other ways he could have handled that. Instead, he found a lone child. There was no one there with her. He said, well, we're both getting out of here today then, and took her on the bus. When the chips came down in the water, he had to choose between his wife and Yagak. And in that moment, he made a call. He could only save one, and he saved one. He didn't swim away on his own. He didn't drown one. He didn't go drown Yagak so no one would know he did it. He saved his wife. But then when they get to the to to England, I even all the assimilation stuff, you know, there that moment when they come to the house and Rial is like wrapped in the sheet and talking about the ghosts or the spirits, I was like, "Oh my god. You look regal as fuck." You gotta get your ass sent straight the fuck back to Sudan. Oh my god. Like, all of this assimilation, like, frenzy Bull is feeling, it's not misplaced. He's not wrong to think that if if they're not holding it down to that level, they're gonna get sent back to the place where not only was their adoptive daughter almost destroyed, but where their adoptive daughter got to watch her mother being gunned down in the street. Yeah. So, I I'm glad you circled back to the mom because I I just feel like I I totally understand her running after the bus to try to get Mm. on the bus with her kid. I totally get that. And I also totally get the idea of, well, definitely save my kid. Like, maybe you can't, maybe I didn't get there in time, but definitely take her. Mm. So... Yeah, well, and that, you know, I, as I watched her being shot, because they, they yell after her, they fire warning, like, 
she knows what's going to happen if she keeps chasing the bus. I interpreted mm-hmm. that as her. Really? If she can't, if I... she can't escape with her, like her daughter's gone. She doesn't have her daughter anymore. She didn't get to escape with her daughter. Maybe her daughter's going to be safe, but just like the, what else, what, why else would she stay alive at this point? Better to be gunned down now than raped this... and then gunned down. After watching this twice, I still just, I saw it still as, I think Mary Kay, you put it perfectly as when, um, like on the Titanic, mm-hmm. when he like took that kid, like, that's yeah. like how I interpret it. Why would he feel but guilty he, then? But they didn't pass her off though. I mean, like the second he got on that lifeboat, he was like, here's yeah. a kid. Well, yeah, because that's the thing. He felt guilty. <laughs> if, he, shit. if he cared enough yeah. to feel guilty about it, then it's not the same thing as that. Right. That's, that's what that's, I think. That's kind of was my feeling about it. The fact that he had such difficulty confronting the, the, that series of events. Yeah, that, that's his that's his cognitive dissonance. Like, I'm a good man. At every stage of this, I have tried to take care of other people. Right. I've tried to not be purely selfish, and it still has gone very poorly. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Like, you can't pour from an empty cup. Like, he had right. to save himself to save her. Right. Also, before we move on, there is an, an interview with Remy Weeks, the director, and Esquire... Um, that talks about the idea of assimilation and not wanting to draw attention to yourself. and But then another part of you feels like suspicious. So um, we'll link to that in the show notes if you are, uh, if you want to know more about that concept, because he articulated it really well, I think. I think that I also really shows well in the way that they shot this movie. Yes. Like, and when you look at the colors, uh-huh. every time it goes back to um, the Sudanese, it's very colorful. So bright. And, and every England time it bland. goes, they're so all muted. in gray, very <laughs> muted. And then even when he goes into the mall, when you go into a mall, everything is brightly colored trying to get your attention. But it's all like gray and like hospital lighting Mm -hmm. and he's like looking at all these bland ass clothes in this hospital lighting and they're following him like super suspicious like i want to talk about the folklore yes yes because that was like the like the meat of the film we should probably get to that by now <laughs> so real's character explains this super well in the film mm-hmm. and i did a little bit just a very little bit of outside research just to supplement what she said um because this was new to me i had never heard of this before and was fascinated about it or by it um so i found an article from an from I believe an American anthropologist. It is from 1961, so you know things have probably changed some since then. But I thought like the folklore part of it may—I mean, it's folklore, right? Like it's an oral history from a long time ago. So um, it's called "Some Notions of Witchcraft Among the Dinka" um, by Geoffrey Leinhart. It's very interesting to me. Uh, I'm gonna read just a little bit of it, if that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. From the earliest years, Dinka are taught that there exist among them men and women who may cause injury to their fellows simply by looking at them or turning their attention to them. So I thought that was why the the 
the light was so intense coming from the apith's eyes when we see him. Um, mm. They they also said that the Dinka hold that injury caused by apith is different from other injuries which people may cause each other by non-physical means. So I thought that was really interesting too because it's like it's not a physical kind of harm they can do you um when and we see that in the movie too when bowl is like you can't touch me and pictures can't hurt me and the apeth goes why can't you sleep because they it can hurt you it's just not a physical hurt there's also when 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 the dinka were asked what do the apes do they said they eat people but not in like a cannibalism kind of way but in like a consuming or possessing kind of way Mm. which is super spooky and it's usually to right an injustice um they say witchcraft is always wrong not because of its effects but because it's witchcraft it's usually like you did a shitty thing and now you're going to be punished for it which is exactly how we all explains it of the you know the man stole his life and and we stole Nyagak's life or really you did so I have to hurt you, which I don't think she wants to do. Also, she has in her shock convinced herself that Nyagak was her was her daughter. Right, and that this actress, Wumi, what's her last name? Wumi Mosaku. Yeah. Yeah. If y'all ain't seen her she's in Lovecraft incredible. Country yet, oh yeah. my God. She's in Love, she's Ruby in Lovecraft. And she has a quite a range because this character is very different from that one. Yes. Mm-hmm. The way that she can, like, in just the smallest bits of moving, the, like, like tiny muscles in her yes. face. Those can micro say expressions. So. When she's sitting Much. with all the women and they're like, no, she didn't have a baby. And you can see like she's realizing and remembering yes. and horrified and just like being re-traumatized all over again. It's like just, her face is like essentially blank and yet it has so much yeah. expression at the same time. That's fucking talent. It truly yeah. is. Like just it, it, it gave me chills on a rewatch. Like yeah. it, yeah. She is a force of nature. And She's incredible. I hope she gets to do every single thing ever forever. I know. It's so funny, I think, that like things featuring the same actor come out very in very close succession. Like I remember Anne Dowd was all of a sudden in everything mm-hmm. and crushing everything. And we were so and happy really, about it. Everyone was so yeah. happy about it. It's the only way to feel about it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I just really want that here mm. as well for both of these actors. Ball's actor also, I mean, uh, the actor who played yes. Ball, Shopee uh, De Reisu, he, in that moment when he's sitting with Mark, yeah, when he's having that breakdown, mm-hmm. and he's like laughing, and they're like confused as to why he's laughing, but we understand why he's and laughing. And he's crushed he's, that glass. And he's like having a mental break. Even before he gets like the crushed glass, we see that like they are like freaked out. And he's like, I'm I'm laughing in like a polite way mm-hmm. to mask the horror I'm dealing with and I don't want to talk. Have you ever like someone like ask you about something you really don't want to talk about so you just kind of laugh it off? 
Is that just me with all no, of my I like fucking? <laughs> I think that you're more polite than I am. Um, yeah, it's a very like non-confrontational, like avoidance behavior sort of thing, which I think it works for a ball. I just wanted to squeeze him and put him in my pocket and protect him from the world. He, whenever he really had a real smile, I just mm-hmm. so handsome and precious. Talking about the apeth, one thing that I kept seeing was, I don't know if this goes with superstition or other elements of religious views, but the way that the apeth appears in the way in the darkness with the whispering, I'm like, this got Black Phillip written all fucking over it. (laughs) Like, what is And they both have a sexy voice. (laughs) like what if this is uh, listen i don't i don't i don't go into bible stuff no more but what if this is the devil preying on the things that you are haunted by and he's like listen give me a blood sacrifice and i will fix it for you like that has black philip written all fucking over it (laughs) Tell That's me true. that ain't Black Philip in another form. Well, I think form. the difference between those two is that, uh, well, for for Bull it is similar, but they don't ask Rial for that. They ask Rial to kill him. I know, but it's the same thing. They're asking for a blood sacrifice. Either I mean, it's yeah, but it's different. Yourself it's or someone else. Either at the end of the day, they're looking for one thing. They want some. They want a. They want a blood sacrifice. That's what they want, right? Yeah. That's some devil shit to me. Honey. <laughs> it I don't, is. Listen, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't fuck with that. I don't, I don't know. With I that. feel All like, I know is that. Well, what I feel like coming to talk to you. I feel like God stays coming to talk to you, saying. God stays you asking have for this blood problem. sacrifice. You're both experiencing this problem, and there's one way. I'm going to tell it to you. I'm going to tell it to you in different ways. And your problem can go away if you give me a blood sacrifice. But the, That's the some problem, shit. Well, but it's a, it's a different promise. It's not your problem will go away. In The Witch, right, it's you get to live deliciously. In this movie, it's we'll bring back the girl who died on your watch. It's redemption. Yeah, it's very different. I because what what he's asking for might be similar, but what he is delivering is very different. Um, but would they be able to... But what... Is this so... I have so many questions then. Because then is it a delusion? Because then is it like she actually coming back? Or is it just like the, okay, you're forgiven? No, this is... That would be a release from their survivor's guilt. Okay. That's all it would be. In the real world. If and then they died, the end, it would not bring her back. And in the end, they yeah. they kill the Apeth because they're accepting the survivor's guilt as just like, this is how we just have to live. Because yeah, I think so, because all those okay. people are still in the house with them. Yeah. And that's kind of how that kind of trauma works, right? Like, it right. never goes away. You just learn to live with it. Because before, there were like 
very scary and they couldn't deal with it and now it's like this colorful beautiful these are the people that we remember and we have and we just live with them now i think so yeah because in the in the end it's more of like they're it's almost like it's like they're back with their community and they just live there now it's like a sad memory but it's more bearable than well it's the way they merge their old home which physically no longer exists into their yeah. new home. So it's yeah. a sort of o- overlapping, but not actually. So, yeah. Like a superimposition, superimposing of those two worlds on each other. I want to talk about how that happened visually. Mm-hmm. Because there were so. Ooh, when they ha- like were in the house and happened upon the people in different places, like in the walls or like stacked on top of each other, or when Ball is eating dinner and suddenly he's in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, that. Okay, can we like acknowledge that this film is gorgeous? It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Truly. It has no right because it goes on a train of being very like traditional, like just shot very traditionally. And then out of nowhere, like beautiful, gorgeous. That shot when he, as you're talking about in the kitchen scene, get out, get my, out. My favorite surprise, it wasn't a jump scare, but it was a surprise is when Bull is, uh, he's like waking dreaming, right? He's just staring mm-hmm. straight ahead and he's standing and he goes to cover his eyes and then his arms reach out from behind him and pull <gasps> his yes. arms back. Yes, And yes. then he goes to turn his head and then his arms reach out from behind him and straighten his face. And they like keep like, yes, it's not a jump scare, but it's, it's very disturbing because these are these like out of body arms that are make like keeping him. Oh my God. That was actually this. We, we didn't put like a thing in here saying like, what is scary? But that, that scared me. That part is scary. And the part that happens immediately after that, when Nyagak rises out of the ocean opens her mouth and an octopus crawls out yeah that was another one amazing another one that wasn't as again so like the scary things aren't obviously scary it's just like it's the 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 the, subtle ones yeah mm -hmm. when i mean i jumped when things made me i mean something stuck his hand out a wall i was like oh shit yeah Ah. The lights came the on. Steps. There was shit everywhere. Running like the little kid steps down the hall. Hate that. What really Hate ups- evil kids? <laughs> what really upset me was when the subtitles were like whispering, and I was like, I don't hear whisper. Should I hear whisper? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> if you have your subtitles on, like we always do, you're like, what the fuck? Because um, like, another moment. The characters was when- are reacting to it. It's in the subtitles, but I was like, I don't hear anything. Why don't I hear anything? <laughs> And the answer is just that my sound system is probably not good enough. Like my TV <laughs> does not have adequate subtlety to convey the the, the depth and the majesty of the soundscape in this movie. That's that's what's probably true. But also maybe the movie itself is haunted. 
Okay, so, well, then I'll close this off. I couldn't really think of anything else except for our conversation I was having with Mary Kay recently. So, let me, before I get to that, let me just Why, pose Y'all just the talk question. to each other all the time without me? We all talk to each other all the time, always. I wasn't in any we of these conversations do. you brought up today. None of them. I get it. I'm well, too I old now. Like when we put stuff in the group chat and only two of us are talking, we typically move into a separate... Oh, oh, so okay. that it's not just like blowing up, blowing up, blowing up. Yeah. Well, if I'm, if yeah, I'm because a, we ha- we currently if, listeners, we currently have two or three group <laughs> chats. We need to, we, we need have to, a viper den and then two unnamed ones. We that need we to, just, we just, we need to shut it down. We need to, we need to move the <laughs> we move everything back into the viper den because otherwise we will never be able to keep track. We're going to be texting each other all the time. What's the login for the Instagram? Hey, where's the password? What's the password? That's the cost. That's me, guys. I'm always asking, what's the password? I can't can't find the poll quotes. That's me again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. So let me close this off. Um, You find yourself trapped with very dangerous and violent entities. What are you doing to make the best of it. Moving my black ass out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but what if you can't? Like, what if these are, like, real people and you're, like, kidnapped or something? Oh. Like, what are you going to do? You got to do something. I'm going to shit myself. <laughs> I think, Rachel, are you talking about, like, what's no, your equivalent of playing the violin while the Titanic sinks? No, I'm serious. No, I, I'm, I'm going to shit about, myself okay. because then they're less likely to try I'll just, and I'll go ahead and go. Like, assault you. Because I was thinking very... Because I couldn't think of anything else and I... Okay, so Mary Kay, I told you and about this dream that I had, okay? So, to relate it back to the office again, I mean, they're different, they're different organizations, I know, but when <laughs> Pam says, if Al-Qaeda got to know me, I, I, hate, I hate even knowing that Al-Qaeda hates me. I think if they got to know me, they would like me, and I had this dream because on TikTok, there was like this trending thing that the ISIS theme song, if you look it up, they have a theme song and it's weirdly gorgeous. It's actually gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And Are you talking about ISIS, the terrorist group? Yes, the terrorist group. They have and a theme song. They have a theme song. Do they have a it- mascot? <laughs> Do they have, more importantly, you know how Texas colleges all have like hand gestures? <laughs> Like Longhorns or the one with the cats. The so do they have those? I mean, I I don't know. I just know that ISIS has a theme song, and it's like a men's choir, and it's weirdly gorgeous. And so there was like a TikTok like thing people were talking about it, and I ended up having a dream that like me and like these like like. They, they didn't look like terrorists, but in my dream, I knew they were terrorists, and we were doing, like, really, like, immature Wow, what does a terrorist school. look like, Rachel? In my dream, I knew their history. Well, how did you know they didn't look like terrorists, Rachel? Anyway, and we were doing really dumb, immature stuff, like, in the mall, like, like skateboarding, and making, like, really dumb jokes, like, oh, like, go say this, go say, okay, like really dumb shit to be clear and, you and isis were starring in a new production of mall rats 
pretty much. Even worse than mall rats. More of like, okay, do you remember when you were 14 in a mall? That's like the shit we were doing in my dream. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, mixing, like, weird, like, ice cream and condiments together and trying to get each other to eat it. Like, Mm -hmm. okay. So, basically, if I were, like, in this, like, this situation where I'm doomed, I'm putting everybody in, like, a sing-off. Like, an Andy, like sing-off mm-hmm. version like we're gonna yeah so my answer is karaoke yeah oh okay show tunes only oh yeah yeah very show terrible. tunes only okay that's a good one yeah which one would you sing mary Kay? Mm. hello dolly that no, was my I don't know that was my grandmother's that, that was my grandmother's favorite song oh i would definitely sing um when you're good to mama from oh, chicago yeah. Put your Sunday clothes when you feel down and out. So, so you're really sticking with Hello Dolly, huh? <laughs> Anything for it's a great it's a great musical. Any number, any number works. Did we all go? Did we all answer? I was serious about the shitting myself. That's actually like a recommended behavior if you are being sexually being attacked, being assaulted. Yeah, sexually yeah. assaulted, especially is that you if you shit yourself, someone's less likely to try and. And it's like your me. own shit, so it don't smell that bad to you. You're like, okay, I'm sitting here. Speak for What's yourself. Up? But <laughs> um, so, yeah. Mary, what are we doing next? Dinosaurs. Okay. <laughs> Is it like the roll back, like the cartoon ones, like roll back the time, the dinosaurs were back movie? Oh, we're back. It does not hold up. Don't watch it. Other things do hold up, but I don't. I think that's the one that doesn't hold up. I tried. No, 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 no. We're back holds up. It's rock a doodle doo that doesn't hold up. Don't rewatch that, guys. Uh, Noted. <laughs> yeah, now you're ready. So you guys know how I am about sharks, and I love them, and they're my dearest friends, and I love sharks because they're basically fast, swimmy dinosaurs. Okay. And then I love dinosaurs, so it's it's natural progression. I love dinosaurs, and next episode we are going to talk about Jurassic Park which is as of this date that we are recording still available on Netflix there's no indication it's coming off before the end of the month so hopefully in January when y'all are listening it should still be there it's a lot of fun if y'all haven't watched it anytime recently first of all why secondly it's got to be Crichton's best film adaptation at me please let's discuss this and it's solidly horror like they just advertised it as a family adventure movie. And when I rewatched it most recently, now that I've gotten so into horror, I was like, oh dear God. Oh my. So that's what's happening. We'll talk to y'all in two weeks. (laughs) See ya. Okay, love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Oh, hello there, listener of Everything Trying to Kill You. Are you ready for a promo? Let's do yoga. Let's get fit. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Uriel. And we're the hosts of Hella in in Your your 30s. 30s. This is a podcast for people of all ages, all about navigating this dystopian world we live in (laughs) that's right so every monday we invite you into our living room or out into the world on whatever adventures we go on or 
into our living room for an adventure in our living room. <laughs> yeah, like having your wife challenge you to a great British baking show style competition in your own kitchen. That's right. Or maybe, you know, you want to know what it's like to volunteer at a food bank. Or maybe, uh, well, you know, you want to hear what it's like to foster kittens in the midst of a pandemic. That's right. Super easy. But giving cats medication is literally the worst thing in the world. <laughs> okay. Anyways, if you want to hang out with us, find us every Monday, Hella in Your 30s, wherever you get your podcast. Bye. Tomorrow's a new day. Let's order pizza.